Marcheseau slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Watt looks up, taps it back to Donov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Watt sets up to Donov! Knights five, Blackhawks four! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LBSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two, VGK Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas, Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, as is the case, uh, hour number two of the VGK Insider Show. And we're going to get into a lot here in terms of teams that have been eliminated from the playoffs. We're going to get to a bit of a post-mortem on the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Dallas Stars, the Minnesota Wild, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the L.A. Kings, though there's really not much to discuss when it comes to L.A. outside of one very specific need this team has moving forward. However, I do want to get to an update real quick from the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It is Florida and Tampa first period in the books in Sunrise, and the Florida Panthers are up one to nothing on the Tampa Bay Lightning thanks to a goal from Anthony Duclair in the first period. So Florida Panthers look better in the first period against Tampa than they looked at any point in time against the Washington Capitals. Uh, I think, you know, matchups, styles, they kind of make fights, so to speak. And the the Tampa Bay Lightning are playing into what the Florida Panthers want to do, especially in that first period. So I, I'm very curious to see the rest of this series, how it goes. But right now, Florida up one to nothing on Tampa. Now, it's time to take a look at some teams that have been eliminated from playoff contention and do a bit of a post-mortem on them. And I think the most interesting team going into this offseason is the Toronto Maple Leafs. However, their year-end media availability made things significantly less interesting as Brendan Shanahan provided... Uh, a vote of confidence for Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe, essentially saying that we're not in the business of making changes just for the sake of making changes. Let's sit here with the Toronto Maple Leafs for just a moment. This is a team that has lost in the first round five consecutive years in a row. That is hard to do. In fact, it is a record. But, like, I don't look at, and, and I don't know, Chapman, we haven't really talked about the loss for, for Toronto in the first round of Tampa. I don't view this the same way as I do Boston or Columbus, certainly not the same way that I view Montreal last year. Like, I don't think the Maple Leafs failed to show up. I don't think they choked. I just think that they were beaten by a team that's been the best team in the league the last two years. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of the way I look at it as well. I mean, look, that game seven, they they played well in that game. They were just, unfortunately, Andre Vasilevsky was better than them, right? So, um, yeah, it, it, it doesn't have, while it ends the same way, and it's obviously extremely mm-hmm. disappointing for, for Toronto, I think they, it, it's hard to say hold your heads up high when this seems to be the M.O. of this team that they lose in the first round. 
it, it's really hard, I think, to swallow if you're a Leafs fan because I, I everything just felt different in this first round. And so I, I understand the absolute frustration of the Leafs but and, and their fans more so, but they had a really good season. And I know that there, it's no consolation, and it's, it's cliche that only one team gets to raise the cup at the end of the season. I really, in my heart, believe that the Toronto Maple Leafs felt like this was their season. This was the team that was going to break through, and... Mm-hmm. It sucks because I really enjoy watching them. I, I like Austin Matthews. I, I, I like a lot of the other guys. John Tavares really showed up, I think, in those in the second half of that of that series. He stepped up. The, he showed why he was the, the guy that they're paying $11 million a year. It just felt different. And I feel bad for Mark Giordano because he's a, he's a player that I really like, and he's obviously not a young guy, and you have to wonder how many more years he's going to have a shot at this. It sucks. It really does, but I'm glad that, that Brendan Shanahan is, is giving these guys a vote of confidence. I was wondering, and I was a little, you know, it, it, it was certainly something that crossed my mind. Is this is this the end of the road for Kyle Dubas? If this team fails again, is he going to be out the door? And it sounds like he's going to be back. And and I think for Toronto now they have to find ways to get better because while I don't think Jack Campbell is a terrible goalie. I think it's oh it's a, it's don't a, don't do this no I'm, don't I, do this. don't put a, this on Jack Campbell no 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 I'm, I'm not I'm not but I think there's certain positions that they're gonna that they're gonna feel they can upgrade and I think that's a position where they're gonna look at and say maybe this is an area where we can upgrade it's not Jack Campbell's fault no I know I, I but but what's your upgrade look like well, like well, Jack well, Campbell the, the problem let me is, let me ask you, hold on hold on let me ask you the question. Do you think Jack Campbell outperformed his contract this year? Jack Campbell. $1.65 million this year. Did he outperform the contract? Yes, of course. He was. He, he had okay. a really good season. But the problem is he's a UFA. Sure, I hear you. So, so for Toronto, I, they're, they're, they're not exactly in a position where they're going to have a ton of cap space. They don't have a ton of cap space. You are, you are talking about the right position, but you're talking about the wrong goalie. So you're saying they've got to find a way. They've to got to find a way to get Peter Mrazek off, off the books. Of the books. Yeah, he, he's they eating up almost four million dollars, and he's under contract for two more years. So you cannot have Peter Mrazek back in the fold next year if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what assets you have to give up to do it. You've got to find a way to move on from that contract. Then you have to make a decision on if Jack Campbell's going to be your guy or how much money you're actually willing to spend on goaltending because. I would venture to guess, knowing what I know of Jack Campbell, that he wants to be a Toronto Maple Leaf. He wants to play with this team. I don't think Jack Campbell is going to be a massive raise if you were to sign him for two or three years. I don't think that that's going to be the case. You have to get Mrazek off the books. I think you have to bring back Jack Campbell because I don't know that you're going to find comparable goaltending for under $4 million. Yeah, I don't it, think you are. It, it, you, you, you're right on there as far as Morazic because something you got to consider is Morgan Riley, his salary bumps up this year too. So that's going to add an extra $2.5 million against your cap. So so while Kyle Dubas, it sounds like he's going to be back, he's going to have to do a lot of work, a lot of magic in order to, to bring back the, 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 the core of this. Well, obviously all those guys are in a contract, but in order to upgrade mm-hmm. this team, he's going to have to pull some magic because they are going to have to get better in some areas. And, I think Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin are both really good defensive players. So, you know, I don't I don't see a situation where either of those guys aren't back. Uh, but 
what I don't want to see is panic. I don't want to see this team panic and, and trade away one of, one of their star players because I think that's probably the worst thing you could do is panic. Like, oh, I, well, well, I, well, we have to move Nylander because we failed. I think and, one has to go. I think one has to go. In order for you to build the team you expect to build in order – like, I think Giordano makes a lot of sense for this club moving forward. Like, I, I think you want to try to re-sign Mark Giordano. Now, what's that contract look like? I don't know. How much of a discount can you get? Probably a relatively good one, but it's still going to cost you some money. Yeah. You are going to have to find ways to get better, and I think that – if you're looking at this objectively, one of two things have to ha- one what is one of two things has to happen. John Tavares, in my estimation, would be the first name I would look to move on from if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, because at 11 million dollars, I just don't think he can handle second line center responsibilities anymore. I just don't think he can. And you absolutely cannot have John Tavares as your third-line center at $11 million. It's not feasible. It doesn't work. It's untenable. So you're either pushing Tavares up the lineup to play on the wing, or you're looking to move him to free up money in order to spend in different places. I think that is a legitimate option on the table for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That being said, I don't think they're going to do it. No, I, what I, I can't imagine it's going to happen. Will. What I do think is going to happen, not to mention he's got a no-move clause, but what I do think is going to happen is William Nylander is going to be out there in trade conversation. I just think that that's going to be something the Leafs have to take a look at because it's been so long that William Nylander's name's been out there. He's been the piece that everyone's complained about from day one. I look at it and I say, if you can utilize that chip, to bring in a phenomenal player on the other side that's got a little bit of an edge and a little bit of nastiness to him, then I think you do that if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I do have an idea in mind. I do have a player that I'm looking at, and I do think this would be an upgrade in terms of grit and sandpaper and nastiness if you go down this route. If you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, William Nylander for Tyler Bertuzzi. Who says no? Well, I, I mean, I think that's a good trade for both teams, right? Because the 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 Bertuzzi, I, I think Detroit probably wants to. I, I don't know if they want to move on from him. I mean, it, it, it's you're getting I, William Nylander in return. Like you're getting a real good player that I think would would fit in to what the time frame is for uh, the the Detroit Red Wings and. You're getting him under contract for an extra year outside of Bertuzzi. Like I think it makes sense for Detroit, and I think it makes sense for the uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, there's only a year a year difference in age. Um, there's only a, 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 about two million dollars difference in salary. Bertuzzi makes about that's two million huge. less. Yeah, that's it's, it's huge, huge for, Toronto. for Toronto. Yeah, yeah. So so for Toronto, it, it, it would be a good move. Detroit clearly has the cap space, mm-hmm. um, so so they could take on Nylander's contract. That's a, that's a really interesting. Trade. Um, I, I I wonder. I mean, it, it seems like it, it would work for both sides, um, you know. And I, I I wonder how much Steve Eiserman and, and the crew in Detroit, if if how much they they really value Tyler Bertuzzi. He's obviously a good player, um, but so is William Nylander. So it's it's yeah. I I, I haven't thought of that, but it, it it seems like it would make sense for both sides 
And and for Toronto, they get a little bit more toughness, right? Because Bertuzzi's got a mm-hmm. little a little grit. He's got a he's got a mean streak to him. He, yeah, he's he's a pain in the butt to play against. And, and, and I it's, think that it's, you you need another guy not named Michael Bunting in your top six to be sandpaper. You just do. Yeah, it, it seems like every team that wins has has guys like that. Um, you know, and, and certainly they would not get pushed around by anybody with with those two guys in in the lineup. So. Um, you're right. Sandpaper is, is a good way to describe it. You just guys, you don't want to rub the wrong way. You want to make sure you're on the, the smooth side of that, but it, it, it's an interesting trade. I, I wonder if that's something that, that could happen during the off season. Cause I mean, I don't think Toronto should panic, but they are going to have to work some magic because clearly the cap space is something that's going to be a factor for them. So from the Toronto Maple Leafs to the Dallas Stars, um, your favorite team. <laughs> I would argue, I would argue the least exciting team or the least interesting team going into the off season. I, there's a couple of things on on the table for, uh, for for Dallas. One, the contract for Jason Robertson. Like you're talking about a 40 goal scorer um, coming off of his entry level contract restricted free agent like what does that contract look like for Jason Robertson I would imagine it's going to be quite large and then the other one is Jake Ottinger what did Jake Ottinger's seven game performance in the Stanley Cup playoffs against the Calgary Flames do to his stock and ultimately his his cap hit number like they're gonna have to pay I would imagine um or at least they should. Let, let me let me rephrase that. He's a restricted free agent. Like you're you're going to have to come to terms here. But I think if you're the Dallas Stars, you got to be fair. You know what you have in Jake Ottinger. This kid is the real deal. Sign him, get him, get him taken care of, and then everything else can kind of fall where it needs to. Yeah, this is another team that that's up against the cap. However, the good news is you do have some big contracts coming off the books, mainly Alexander Radulov, who who at yeah. 35. I I wonder if he has played his last game as a member of the Dallas Stars or yes. if, if yeah <laughs> and then John Klingberg the mm-hmm. the thing is with Dallas they've got Tyler Sagan under contract for it seems like forever and he's eating Six up more yeah and he's eating up so much of their salary cap him and Jamie Ben uh the the, the strange thing is all these guys Klingberg Radulov Jamie Ben Tyler Sagan they all wear letters on their chest so mm-hmm. For Dallas, some some tough decisions, and you may have to say goodbye to some guys who've been a part of your franchise for a long time. But I think you're right. The future of this franchise is Jake Ottinger. They need to pay him. They will pay him, I, I would imagine. And and Jason Robertson. I mean, it's hard to imagine they got both of those guys just a couple picks apart in in the draft in in 2017. Um, they 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 really hit on those first few picks. For, for for that draft because they, they drafted Haskin in as well and they gave him his money last offseason. So I, I can't imagine that Ottinger and Robertson are going to be too far behind. The question is what numbers do the Dallas Stars go with to make it work? And then the other thing when it comes to Dallas is Rick Bonus. Does he want to keep coaching? I think that's going to be the big question. Is are the Dallas Stars going to put their name in the hat for a new coach? And if so, what does that look like? I I, I do think the fact that they were able to perform well down the stretch, they were able to get into the playoffs. They they did show well against Calgary, like regardless of whether or not it was on the on the back of Jake Ottinger. Like the Dallas Stars had no business pushing Calgary to the brink like they did, and yet 
there they are. So I, I, I wonder what the landscape looks like. Uh, Joe Pavelski is an ageless wonder. He's just going to continue to be awesome, and we know this. Uh, you're not getting out from under the Tyler Sagan contract. You're not getting out from under the Jamie Benn contract. I would be interested, though, like to see if there's a change in leadership at all. Uh, I don't know that I would take away the, the captaincy from Jamie Benn. I, I think down the lineup there's a lot that he brings to the table, intangibles. But, you know, you, you mentioned that Alexander Radulov, Tyler Sagan, they wear letters. John Klingberg, he wears a letter. I, I think you're going to see a shift in the secondary leadership core of the Dallas Stars, and I think that's the most important thing. You need evolution, you need change, and that's where it's going to have to come from. Yeah, I, 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 it still shocks me when I look at the roster that Joe Pavelski is not a guy who has a letter because Joe Pavelski, to me, is is Captain America. Uh, he, he's a guy who, who probably should have a letter on, on his chest, and at some point I, I think he probably will. And you're right, the ageless wonder at 37 years old, it, it, it's amazing. That, he's not slowing down. No, he's not no, slowing he, down. He's still one of the best players in the NHL, and and I, I I think he goes out and he proves it every year. I mean, he he's and the thing with with Pavelski, I think he's a really likable guy. Like I think everybody mm-hmm. likes Joe Pavelski. I mean, I, yeah. I I I I saw firsthand the 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 way Sharks fans just loved him, and and you know it's funny you bring up Rick Bonus. He's sixty seven. He's going to turn sixty eight in the middle of next season. You're right. I wonder if if he still wants to do this. It's a grind. I mean, at that age, it, it's got to be really difficult. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I know when I'm that age, I don't want to be working. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a real uh, interesting. In fairness, you don't want to be you don't you don't want to be working now. Well, I'm also like, not on. an NHL coach, and 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 you know, <laughs> as much as I have a passion for radio, if I had a passion for coaching, um, you know, but but I mean, 68 is not it's not a, it's not a spring chicken. Um, no, so no, it's not. so you're right. It, it's going to be a, a a real interesting off season for Dallas as well. Um, I I think honestly this is a team that may take a step back. I know Jake Ottinger's really good, but I think they're going to lose some 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 real leadership. And mm-hmm. I don't know how long it's going to take those young guys to step in and be leaders. Certainly the talent is there, but sometimes you need that leadership as well. And this is a team that's in transition. It's going to be real interesting to see how they uh, how, how they handle it. So let's move on to the Minnesota Wild. Oh boy! I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a, a number. I'm going to give you a figure, Chris Chapman, because this is going to be the figure that informs not only this off season but the off season for the Minnesota Wild over the next four years. Okay. Yikes. 2022-2023 buyout history, dead cap space. <laughs> $12.743 million. <laughs> they are losing nearly $13 million in cap space. They are operating from such a disadvantage next season that it becomes really difficult to see or believe that the Minnesota Wild are going to get any better. Will they stay the same? Maybe. Probably. They've got Kirill Kaprizov. I think they will. But they're not getting better. I don't think this is a team that's going to get any deeper for a playoff run. And I think what you saw this year is likely what the Minnesota Wild are going to be over the next four years while they navigate this cap hell. It doesn't get any better in 2023-24 or 24-25. That number jumps to nearly $15 million in dead cap space. Yeah, This, this... is a three-year span 
that should be a black hole, a complete albatross for the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, and and you look at their their salary that they don't have. I mean, Kaprizov certainly is a guy who will not be moved. Matt Zuccarello, a guy who will not be moved. But they've got some defensemen who are making some some pretty good coin. I just don't know how they improve because if you trade away Matt Dumba or Jonas Broden, how do you get better? You you you're you're not. And I saw today Bill Guerin said he wants to bring back Mark Andre Fleury. Mm-hmm. Like I I how do you resign? Yeah, let's talk about that. Like how do you first of all if you're Cam Talbot, how does that make you feel? So okay, let's 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 start there then. Because Bill Guerin did say that he wanted to re-sign Marc-Andre Fleury uh, and that he wants Fleury in tandem with Cam Talbot. Now, Cam Talbot right now is going to be on the books, assuming that he isn't traded, for $3.6 million. What do you expect Marc-Andre Fleury's next contract to look like? Well, I I, I would imagine it, it's probably going to be about the same. I can't imagine he he's gonna he's gonna take less. I mean, what's, what, well, let me ask what's what's a discount right now for Mark Andre Fleury for thirty seven year old Mark Andre Fleury? If his last contract was seven million dollars average annual value, what's a discount for Mark Andre Fleury? Well, I I, I guess I, I I should rephrase what I said. I mean, it, I I think he's probably gonna want between four and five million dollars. Okay. I, so, I, I mean, if I'm him, I'm I'm absolutely saying, "Hey, look, you know what? Two years ago, I won the Vezina. Mm-hmm. I'm still putting look at look at the way I played for Minnesota down the stretch. I still have gas in the tank. I was good for Chicago, despite the fact that the team around me wasn't very good. I think he he if I'm and and obviously he's got an agent who is a power agent, so he's going to be able to to really push. I think there's a team that will give him probably between four and five million. So if that team is the Minnesota Wild, if you're talking about $4.5 million, then you're looking at $7.5 million to $8 million in goaltending plus the $13 million in dead cap, $20 million effectively gone. Yeah. And you, you, have, to, you have to compete. You have to continue to build upon what you did well offensively. Like, I don't see it. Now, I will say... The decision on Kevin Fiala is going to be an interesting one. He's a restricted free agent, $5.1 million this year. I don't think Kevin Fiala's back. And that's so only going to go up, if, you would imagine. Well, it is, but now here's here's does become interesting for Minnesota. You've got Matt Boldy, who is on an entry-level contract, so if you think Matt Boldy can replace what you get out of Kevin Fiala, by all means... I think you move on from Kevin Fiala because you got to move on somewhere. Yeah. You have to find money somewhere because you already put yourself at such a disadvantage. Um, and then the other name I think that's going to really make or break the Minnesota Wild over the next three years is Mike Marco Rossi. If he comes in and he's phenomenal and he can can give you what you need in your forward core to be dynamic and to be deep, then great. Everything should work out because he's on an entry-level contract and the cap recapture penalty is going to really sting while he's on that entry-level deal. But if not, it's not going to be pretty for the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, Rossi is, is the kid a lot of people may remember. He was, he, he was one of the early players to get COVID and it affected him so bad that he actually, is he, I think he's from Austria or maybe Switzerland, somewhere, over, either Austria or Switzerland, and it affected him so bad that he literally had to go back to his home country because it was so bad for him. 
Um, obviously, that was a couple years ago. It seems like he he's certainly gotten healthier since then. But he was a high draft pick just not just not too long ago. So I think if you're the Wild, you're going to have to rely on on him and Boldy to step in because. Yeah, it does seem like Fiala is going to be a guy who who's not going to be back with the team next year, and that's a really good player that you're losing. Yeah, you know what? You're not wrong. I, I'm a little distracted. Ben Sherratt just headbutt Ross Colton. Uh, <laughs> I what what is going on? Like Darnell Nurse did it to Phil Deneau in round number one, and but like this one was not anywhere near uh, Darnell Nurse on Phil Deneau. But why? Are we seeing headbutts in scrums in the Stanley Cup playoffs, Chapman? Well, it's better than licking or biting, so I'll, I'll say that. Is but, it though? Is it? Uh, is it better? I mean, you're wearing a helmet, so so if a guy headbutts you, at least you got the helmet on. But yeah, I I don't understand that. Um, I've never been a, a a licker or a biter or a guy who would headbutt somebody. <laughs> um, I, I, it's strange. Like I guess. It's an emotional game. It's the playoffs, so so the stakes are high, and guys lose their cool. Mm-hmm. But to see something like that twice in just about a week is really bizarre. It's it's really really strange. Yeah, it's it's odd. It's it's really the only way that I could legitimately put it. It's just odd. Uh, okay. Let's swing over to the Pittsburgh Penguins because, like, this is an intriguing team for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Unrestricted free agents, Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin, Brian Rust, and here's where it gets interesting, and there's some, there's been some reporting over the last couple of days that has shined a, a bit of a light, and it's not a good one, on kind of the internal things going on right now with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So Rob Rossi with The Athletic reported that Sidney Crosby was cleared to play Game 6, Mike Sullivan refuted that uh, vehemently that Sidney Crosby was not cleared to play game six. So I'm not really sure that there's much else to get into there outside of it happens, I think, with every organization. There are miscommunications about injuries. And if you're if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins and you're you're trying to deal with Sidney Crosby who's dealing with a head injury, you're always going to err on the side of caution. And even if even if Crosby was in a position where he could play game six. I think the right move was made, even though ultimately they lose the series. You have to look after his well-being, especially given the history with his head injury. So that was just an interesting kind of dynamic there. But the other thing that that came out of Rob Rossi, uh, again, with The Athletic, is that the Penguins extended offers to Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin at some point during this season. Three years, $5 million. That was the contract. Three by five, $15 million uh, for Chris Letang and for Evgeny Malkin. That would have lined up for the end of Sidney Crosby's current deal, which has three years left on it after this season. Uh, and apparently, the offers did not sit well with Sidney Crosby. So, like, are you concerned that there's a disconnect between Crosby and management? And also, are you concerned that there's a possibility, a real possibility, that it's not just one of the two that goes, but both Malkin and Latang are playing somewhere else next year? Well, yeah, I, I think it's highly concerning because these are two guys who have been a part of your franchise for a very long time and have raised cups with you. Uh, the Malkin, I, I, I just... I don't know. I, I, I didn't think he was going to be back. I, I, there's just something that tells me Malkin was... was 
not going to be back in Pittsburgh. Latang surprises me a little more than Malkin, and it surprises me a, a whole lot that Sidney Crosby would would ha- would have an issue with both of those guys being offered extensions. I mean, maybe Sid feels like not that, not the no 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 not the extension, not that they were offered an extension, but the fact that, that three they didn't sign it years oh. by five million dollars is a low ball. Oh, that is, okay. Like, it's a low ball offer, Chapman, for both guys. It's a low ball for Malkin. Okay. It's a low ball that, for that Chris Latang. That makes a little more sense. You know, the, the funny thing is I, I didn't realize that if getting Malkin makes more than Sidney Crosby. Like, I, I, I've been that way for yeah, a while. I, I, I don't think I ever knew that. Like, I, I don't think I, I, I ever really looked at it that much. But, I, I, I mean, when I look at Sid's contract, I, I don't know if there's a better contract in the NHL than what the Penguins are giving Sidney Crosby because it seems like he's there is. I mean, there it seems is. like he's he's criminally underpaid for what mm-hmm. he's done for that franchise and what he still does for that franchise. But yeah, I, I, I didn't think Malkin was going to be back. I, I, I would be surprised if Latang is not back. But again, this is a team that is up against the cap. They're 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 also going to have to figure out what they're going to do with Brian Rust and Ricardo Raquel is a, is a, is a UFA as well. So, yep. Um, you know Evan Rodriguez. Okay, he's not going to eat up a big bunch of cap, but I think he's a he's a guy that they would probably want to bring back. So this is a team that that is again all three of these teams that we've talked about have been in transition, and and this is one that's going to be in transition because I I really wonder what the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to look like next year, and is this truly did we see the end of this run for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Like, is this the last dance for this franchise mm-hmm. in this current incarnation? You ready for a better contract than Sidney Crosby's? Yes. Nathan McKinnon, $6.3 million. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, you're right. That, that, that is Doesn't, criminally under, underpaid. Doesn't get any better. Only, only for All another right, year. I, I imagine that number is going to go up quite a bit in, in the 23. 20- 324 season. Yeah, so last last team here on the postmortem, it's the Los Angeles Kings and I, I don't think we have to look too deeply here. Um you you need to allow Quentin Byfield and some of the kids to come into the lineup and contribute on a daily basis and you need another scorer. Period. Like that's it. That's that's the list right now for the LA Kings. Let your kids grow. But you need another goal scorer. You need someone that can put the puck in the back of the net. Yeah, a lot. And the thing is, a lot of young guys. You, you're right because you look at their roster: Gabe Velarde, Arthur Kaleev, Quinton Byfield, Leas Anderson, a first round pick, Rasmus Kampari, another young guy. I thought Carl Grundstrom really played well for them in the in, in the playoffs or short run. But yeah, these are guys who aren't going to eat up a lot of money because they're all young and they're all RFAs. And Adrian Kempe is another RFA, but he's only 25, so he's going to get a bump in salary, but you're going to get a little reprieve because Dustin Brown will come off the books. I think you've got a couple guys on the back end on the, on the blue line who are going to come off the books. But I think this could be a, a transition year as well for the Kings because they're at some point you have to get younger. And, you know, this was a team that was in the playoffs obviously just a couple days ago, but you have to wonder – what the team will look like if they're starting to ask their younger players to step into these roles. We just talked about it with the wild. They're all talented. All these guys that I just named off. Sean Dursey is another guy, super talented, but you're going to have to ask them to play a bigger role next year because you're, you're going to, again, have to find spots where you, you, you can manipulate the cap and make it work for you. You know, the Kings, again, another team that 
all these teams, they're all up against the cap, so their GMs are going to have to get creative. Sean Dursey and Mikey Anderson got so much out of this season that you combine those two players with a healthy Drew Doughty, like that, that's going to be a pretty formidable blue line for the Los Angeles Kings. I, I think the on the blue line, they'll be fine. It's really about making sure this team can put the puck in the back of the net because if they had any semblance of offense, if Victor Arvidsson wasn't hurt and played in that first-round series, I think they eliminate the Edmonton Oilers. But we've got to take a break. We've got to get back with one-timers next on the VGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. News and notes from around the NHL. And we'll start with an update in Florida. The Tampa Bay Lightning have tied the game. Corey Perry on the power play. Beautiful feed from Nikita Kucherov. So 1-1, three and a half minutes left in the second period. As everyone predicted, Tampa, Florida, a low-scoring goalie duel. Okay, I don't no think, one predicted that. I, yeah, I yeah. was going to say, I don't think anyone, yeah. that, I don't think that was on the prediction sheet. Yeah, no, this is exactly how I, I envisioned the uh, series to play out. So... <laughs> Here's a crazy story, Chapman. Um, first reported by the Toronto Star, confirmed by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mitch Marner was carjacked at gunpoint Monday night. Uh, apparently, somebody walked up, held a gun, said, hey, I want your car. Mitch Marner said, sure, go ahead and take it. No one was hurt or injured in this in this situation. But like, I, I can't even imagine what that would be like. But then you throw in everything that's gone on over the last 72 hours, 96 hours for Mitch Marner, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, that's just a crazy story on the heels of a Game 7 elimination. Yeah, and and unfortunately, there, there's always jerks out there who make jokes about situations like this. I saw yeah. some of them on Twitter, and it, it, it's like, what's wrong with you? Like, the guy could have been killed. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's so it's, stupid. Yeah. It, it's so stupid. It pisses me off when I see that. So, you know, hope, fortunately, Mitch is okay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that's the most important thing that he wasn't harmed in this, but it, it, it sucks. And, you know, I mean, it, it really makes you, it makes you open your eyes. It's like, if it could happen to him, it could happen to any of us. I know over in Europe, a lot of hope, high profile soccer players are targeted sometimes and it's happened with NBA players. And unfortunately it, it's one of those things that seems to get more and more common, but you know, hopefully they catch a scumbag who did it and they throw his ass in jail where he belongs. Yeah, I agree 100%, uh, especially with the, the idea that anyone in, at any point in time would think that that's the opportunity to make a joke. It, it's, it's so short-sighted, it's so dumb, and you look completely foolish. So, yeah, here's hoping that uh, Mitch Marner is, is good and, uh, yeah, that whoever did this gets caught and, and they'll, they'll be in jail. Selkie Trophy finalists have been announced by the league. I cannot wait to get your thought process on this one, Chris Chapman. The finalists are Alexander Barkov from the Florida Panthers, Patrice Bergeron 
from the Boston Bruins and Elias Lindholm of the Calgary Flames. The Selkie Trophy awarded to the forward who best excels in the defensive aspects of the game. Chris Chapman, who's your winner? Well, it's funny because if memory serves correct, both Barkov and Bergeron were on the, the list last year as finalists. So mm-hmm. a repeat performance for those two guys. Barkov, the winner. Look, I, I love Alexander, Sasha, whatever you want to call him, Barkov. I mean, Bergeron, they should name the award after him. And then Lindholm, he, he's a newcomer to, to the list. So I'm going to go with Barkov because I'm biased and I'm a big fan of his. I don't care about the other two guys. I want Sasha to win it. This is the 11th straight season. Patrice Bergeron has been up for the Selkie Trophy. And and frankly, it, it might be his last season, and, and you know, we can kind of parse through that over the course of the next couple of days, too, as to whether or not we think this is the end of the road for Patrice Bergeron. But I'd like to believe it's not, it's not Patrice Bergeron, but it's Elias Lindholm, who I think had a phenomenal year for the Calgary Flames and was a big, big reason why Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk had such great, outstanding years, and you have to have some responsibility on the ice with those two guys that are hunting down offense. Um, but, I mean, like, it, it, it's too on the nose here. Like, it, it's Patrice Bergeron and everybody else, I, I think – we recognize that if if someone's going to win the Selkie, not named Patrice Bergeron, it's going to have to happen after Patrice Bergeron hangs up the skates. And even then, if it's this season or next season, I still think Bergeron's a, a finalist just based on the body of work, uh, even when he's not an active player. Yeah, four-time winner of the award, as you mentioned, 11 straight years. He's a finalist. He's He's clearly in a class all by himself when it comes to this. All right, the uh, we didn't get into this one, but the Ted Lindsay, the award that da- the award that Darren thinks is actually the MVP award, but it's not. Um, <laughs> the Ted Lindsay Award is is voted on by by your peers, the most outstanding player in the NHL. The finalists are Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, and Roman Yossi. Um, like this one, I don't have to think about it. Okay, I don't have to think about it. it it's very clearly Connor McDavid. He is the most outstanding player in the league. I've never argued against that. He's not the MVP this year, but he is absolutely the most outstanding player in the league. Yeah, I I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, it, it's look, as much as I would love to see some chaos and Roman Yossi win it, it's probably not not going to happen. I mean, imagine imagine the upset if it's Roman Yossi over Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid. McDavid's won it three no. times previously. His teammate Leon no, no, Dreisaitl no. won it uh, just a couple years you're, ago. You're not thinking you're not thinking about the greatest situation that could arise from this. <laughs> What's that? Roman Yossi loses the uh, the, the Norris, Norris Trophy and wins, and wins the, the Ted Lindsay. <laughs> oh, I want that. I want that to happen. That would be fantastic. All right, I'm fully on Team Chaos then here. I'm going I'm going Roman Yossi for the Ted Lindsay, but I think he loses the Norris, oh, I mean, which would be outstanding. Like, I'm, I'm all in on that, Chapman. Yeah, does, That's doesn't it kind of – so it's voted on by your peers, but doesn't mm-hmm. that maybe tip your hand a little bit as to who might win the Norris because he's actually nominated for the Ted Lindsay Award and Kale McCarr yeah. is not? No, no, because I, I don't think so. Like, I think Roman Yossi is going to win the Norris, 
I don't think he has any chance at winning the Ted oh, Lindsay. Oh, God. I, like, I, I, I want him to win the Ted Lindsay and lose the Norris. It'd be great. You're as chaotic as I am. I, I mean, when, when, when it comes to this, it'd be, it would be fantastic. Plus, seeing mm-hmm. seeing McDavid and Matthews not win that award and, and a guy who I probably wouldn't have put in. Oh, Chapman. Chapman. Okay. Igor Shesterkin wins the heart. <laughs> Roman Yossi wins the Ted Lindsay, <laughs> and then and then Shosturkin doesn't win. Uh, he doesn't win the Vesna. Oh, and that you, would be uh, the greatest thing ever I, if Shosturkin wanna... doesn't win the Vesna, <laughs> and Yossi doesn't win the Norris. But then they go and win the Hart and the Ted Lindsay respectively, and you have a complete shutout of Connor McDavid and <laughs> Austin Matthews. I, I want to be in this studio when Darren has to come in and do the show the next day <laughs> when that happens because, I I mean, I'm all for, for chaos. That yeah. would be the chaos of all chaos events because you, you that doesn't make sense. The, the most chaotic of chaos. I, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that would just be I great. don't either. I, I would love it. I would love to be in the studio that day, and Darren comes in. He's like, I can't believe that happened. And then you can just say, <laughs> I not, told he's you He's so. not even the best goalie in the I, league. I, I told could you he so. win the, <laughs> the MVP? I told you it was, he deserved to win the heart. <laughs> oh, man, I am here for all of it. That Those are your one-timers brought to you by Paul Power. More lawyers, less fee. For today, Tuesday, May 17th, we're back to wrap it up next. Catching up with Chapman. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right, Ryan. Well, should let the listeners know that tomorrow it'll just be yourself and I, as Darren will be busy with the VGK Alumni Golf Tournament. Got the press release for that today. But I thought it was kind of cool that two of the two of the people involved with that are not former members of the Golden Knights. In fact, they're not even hockey players. They are two former Major League Baseball players who call Las Vegas home, one of them being the flying Hawaiian Shane Victorino. And why do I bring up Shane Victorino? Because I have a pretty cool story about Shane Victorino. I was on a flight once flying back to Philadelphia. That's usually where I fly to when I go home. And Victorino happened to be on the flight with me with his trainer or or I someone who was involved with him, you know, his 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 nutritionist. I'm not sure, but it was a doctor. And a mm-hmm. guy in first class started to have, I don't know if he was having a seizure or what, but Victorino and his, um, the, the the person who was traveling with him actually assisted this guy and assisted the flight attendants in helping this passenger come out of whatever he was going through. And we ended up traveling all the way to Philadelphia without any any issue after that. But I, I thought it was kind of cool to, to share that story because Shane Victorino probably helped save a guy's life on a, on a, on a flight one time between Las Vegas and Philadelphia. I think that might be the best catching up with Chapman you've ever done. I appreciate that. It, yeah, it, it meant a lot to me because it, it showed that yeah. the guy, the guy has a foundation here in Las Vegas. So, uh, you know, he, he I, I, I know he uh, collects toys for children around Christmas time, but it shows that he's a, he's a human being too. And he's a, he's a very good one. To, to assist this passenger who was having a, a very difficult time on the flight for I'm, I don't know exactly what it was but uh, they 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 helped the guy and we we continued on the Philadelphia without any issues. Yeah, no, I, it it it's a sense of of civic pride I think for for Vegas obviously that uh, you've got athletes that come here and 
good quality human beings as well. We'll be back with you tomorrow right here on the VGK Insider Show. Have a great night, everybody. We will talk to you then.